0: Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now.
1: My name is John J. Lennon, contributor for Esquire magazine and the Marshall Project. I'm locked up for selling drugs and committing murder been in prison 18 years so far, got about 10 more to go. New York State prison system identifies me as the number 04A0823. So I'm a writer and I'm a prisoner. And this is a collect call from Sing Sing. Alice Marie Johnson was a grandmother and great-grandmother, and I should say minister, playwright, author, doing life without parole in federal prison for a first-time nonviolent drug trafficking offense until President Trump granted her clemency in 2018. You may have seen her on that Super Bowl ad running into the arms of her family or at the State of the Union address last year receiving a standing ovation from both sides of the aisle. Hello, hi, uh, hi, this is John Lennon. Hello, Alice Marie.
0: Hi, John.
1: Hi, uh so nice to meet you. Um, is it okay if I call you Miss Alice?
0: Yes, a lot of people call me Miss Alice John, so is it okay if I call you John?
1: <laughs> please, please, please. I just finished your book after life. I was reading it the past two days and uh jotting down some notes for this interview. I was moved. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Well, thank you for having me on that. My book, Afterlife, My Journey from Incarceration into Freedom, it's really very healing for me, too, to be able to write that.
1: I imagine. I wanted to, if it's okay, jump right in and quote you. It's maybe like halfway through the book. Yeah, you write, Being incarcerated doesn't mean that one has to be powerless and remain the same. Lifer was just a label. That wasn't my identity. I decided who I was, I was alive, I had value. I mean, that's all about identity, and it, it really resonates with me, as you can imagine. Can you unpack that for a moment, Miss
0: Alice? Yes, I'd be happy to. Being given a life sentence, that's what they put on me, and they labeled me as a lifer. But it did not mean that I had to stop living life or that I could not be impactful wherever I was. So. That's not who I was. I was not a give-up person. I was not the type of person that would let that decide me as a person that I'm serving a life center so there's no hope. I found that I was able to still impact my environment. I was still able to laugh. I was still able to create. I was still able to do the things that I could do as a free woman because you cannot lock a person's dreams up. You could not lock or change my identity as a person. So I used what the gift that God had given me right in prison. And I believe that impacted a culture in prison.
1: I mean, I could just tell, like, just by, you know, sort of reading different parts of the book, you were just, like, infectious to be around. And, you know, the vibe's a little different in female prison than male prison. I mean, sometimes... <laughs> You guys could be a little more vulnerable, perhaps, than men. Um, right. So, uh, but it's, it's, I know it's tough, too, but I, I felt the joy that you sort of exuded when I was reading it through the pages.
0: Yeah, you know, being able to do those things, I won. I won. The system that put me there did not win because I believe that so many people, when they are given long sentences like we've had, is that we are expected to act a certain way? We're expected to because we have nothing to lose to be, to just do anything. Well, I had a lot to lose. I had my identity to lose. You can't define who I am, and you can't tell me how I'm supposed to act. And that was freeing, so freeing to me to be just breathing the breath of life and to be able to have the work, the access, working of my limbs and my brain that we stop. That wasn't buried. Even though they have seen as if I was buried alive, you can't bury me.
1: Sometimes it's the narratives that people tell about us, too, that are stinging, like a prosecutor, even journalists and the public. When I was reading your book, I realized that you were hardly this Queenton cocaine trafficker I also realize that you weren't necessarily the woman that Kim Kardashian got out. I would reframe that. I would say you are the woman who inspired Kim Kardashian to find a new purpose in life. Fair assessment?
0: She'll be the first one to tell you that. That's her. <laughs> oh, you just nailed it, John. That's her assessment, too. She says that she didn't find me. She said, I found her. And she has a renewed purpose in life because of meeting me and Just seeing how I embrace life. It's given her a desire to not only just have people tell her about cases, but to go further to hone her skills, to get the skills necessary to become an attorney herself so that she'll have a better understanding of helping people. Her life would never have taken that route, that turn, had she not met me. So uh, I'm very thankful you just think about to be able to impact people on the outside, John, the same way you are doing. Your podcast is impacting the opinions of those who are free. And they're seeing a man who is not allowing his situation or his circumstances to define who he is as a man, who you are as a man. So I really applaud the work that you're doing because you're getting your voice out. You're getting our stories out. You're changing how people look at us because it's not you, a y'all, it's us because I'm one of us. I'm one of them. I'm you. We're together in this.
1: Wow, thank you so much for that. I, I, you know, I mean, of course I appreciate that. So I have to ask, like, you know how we sort of sift through the politics of prison, right? You have, you know, always having to, like, keep game and obviously it goes on, I would imagine, in in female prisons just as it does in, in male prisons. But has that sort of, like, prepared you for the current politics that swirl around, for example, prison reform? I think a lot of people had opinions about, for example, like the Super Bowl ad. And and I just want to know, what's your opinion about that?
0: Whatever people may perceive as being the purpose. For me, it gave criminal justice reform a platform at one of the most watched events, sporting events in the nation that was watched by over- a 100 million people. And it started a conversation again about it for people who were not having the conversation. Just the fact that my story is such an impactful story. It started people talking. So for whatever reason, it is a politics and however anyone might view it. I was very happy to be a part of it because it humanized. It's As much as we continue to tell our stories, John, and to get it to broader audiences, that is all good. It is good for our purpose. It is good for my mission, for our mission of bringing light to cases like mine. And just the fact that prisoners are still human beings. They're not objects who have just been warehoused away, out of sight, out of mind. So it it gave me a state, it gave me a voice, and it also gave you a voice, too, because you feel <laughs> incarcerated.
1: That's right. It, you know, I mean, that was, that was just pretty much the perfect answer, you know. I mean, I, I appreciate that, I mean, because it's so true. I mean, you hear all these different sort of opinions that have no skin in the game. So, I mean, I just had to ask you that. But, like, you get into it in the book, too, and you write about watching. I mean, you had concerns. I mean, I know I had concerns when Trump came in office. You were watching the Trump versus Hillary election, and you're hearing the locker up chants. That rattled you as a woman in prison. Heck, I mean, that rattled me as a man in prison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was <laughs> like, uh, whoa, this is a bit much here. What's this? Is, <laughs> this can't be good for the whole team, you know? But I, here you are, a few years later, and a woman, you, may be the face of at least when he talks about criminal justice reform. I mean, he could be dropping Alice Marie Johnson. I think I'm going to be hearing that name a lot in the next couple of months. I mean,
0: that's a good thing. I mean, here we are. It is. What do you think? And it tells you also also that things can change. People can change their opinions. And that's Mm. why it's important to put a human face, a human story, to these issues. Because, seeing my story... And seeing me released from prison and rejoining my family, it touched the president. And so to how many others were also touched? I know that right after that, we, we were able to get the first bipartisan bill passed in 30 years right, right after my release. And my release has been called one of the, the catalyst, one of the main catalysts for this broad bipartisan support of this bill. So mm-hmm. we know that. Things can change from one moment to the next moment, and I had that moment. I was caught up in that moment, and the American public and the world was caught up in that moment, John, of being just a family. The human side, the humanity came out. Mm -hmm. I
1: agree. Maybe there's another lesson here. We're so quick to think we know someone, right? Like, we're so quick, this one's good, that one's evil. But God knows, we know. I mean, character is so complicated, yours, mine's, yes, it is. Uh, Donald Trump's, the guy I'm watching hit the heavy bag right now. I mean, all of our characters are so complicated. So, I mean, maybe that's I mean, that's a lesson, like, just thinking what to expect when here's this guy. I mean, look, the guy's a New Yorker. I mean, I could certainly relate to him. I fly off at the mouth. You know, I think it's a lesson that I think in character, like how we sort of per- perhaps prejudge sometimes. Because I couldn't have predicted where we are right now in this yeah.
0: moment. Right, and you know it's a lesson too, for all of us that we can find things that we are more alike. We can find some things, John, that you and I are like. We may have our differences, but we can come together on some things and that's what really gives me hope for this country is that we still can come together we could, we may not agree on a lot of things, but there are some things that we can agree on, and criminal justice reform is something that everyone can agree on that this system is broken and that it needs to be changed. And mm-hmm. to it also lets us know, as you said, not to just prejudge and think that you have the answers. but we're right. open to hear someone out. You're open to hear me out. I'm open to hear you out. You can best believe that when we sit down and have a conversation, we're going to find that we agree on a lot of stuff.
1: Agreed. I want to talk about faith for a moment. I mean, I'll be honest. I read faith. It was woven all throughout that book. I mean, you're a woman of faith. You are Christian. I mean, it just oozes from the pages that I've read. I'm a recovery guy. I'm like an AA guy. And sometimes I'm tortured with my faith, you know? I could be a cynic sometimes, but I love the quote when the woman told you when you came initially to the California prison. She was in a wheelchair, I believe. I'm just going off the top of my head here. But she was like, bloom where you're planted, I think, and God knows you. Like, And I just thought that was like— God
0: knows where uh, you are.
1: I mean, you needed yeah, that at I, that moment, I, right?
0: At that moment, even though I had a faith, I came from a very strong family of faith. You know, all of us sometimes need, we need each other. We need someone sometimes to speak life into our situation. You know, this woman went on about her life. She never, she don't know today that that was a defining moment in my life. Just those words that she spoke to me, God knows where you are. It became, it, it talks about faith being substance. That became substance. It leaped inside of me. I grabbed a hold of that word as if it was a lifeline, and it was a lifeline. And everything that I did from then on, I remembered that God knew where I was. And it made it easier for me to know that He knows exactly where you are. And if he knows who I am, then there's got to be purpose in this. I've got to find purpose in this. And it it, it really became the thing, the lifeline that I hung on to, and it really truly put a, a skip in my step. It changed. It changed me. And that's, that's the thing that I'm hoping that as people read my book, John— that they will see that this is real. This is nothing that is made up. This is real. This is this was a journey and it is not a destination. I'm still on this journey.
1: Faith can help with the regrets and the rationalization that comes with doing a lot of time. I read it in your book too. I mean we I mean it's just human nature, you know, I should have took the plea or I can't believe this guy got clemency over me. I mean I I wish I were in Germany. They would've let me out already. You could sort of rationalize and get lost in that. I was doing it last night with a friend of mine and he's a a Muslim man. He prays five times a day, like we're tight, that's my boy. And and he's just he talks me off the ledge sometimes and he's like, John, man, you're you're right where you need to be and it's kinda like what the woman told you in the wheelchair. She said, You aren't supposed to take that, please, John. And he told me that last night. He said, You're right where you need to be and you're doing what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it made sense. That's I mean, I was like, man, I wish I wasn't here, but I mean, it makes sense though,
0: you know? But Jonathan where you're at right now, you are impacting lives. You are touching people on the inside. You're definitely making a big difference on the outside. And I found that being there, when you touch people on the inside and they're set free, well then they go and touch someone else. And it, yeah. it becomes a chain reaction. And you don't even know that you started that chain. You don't know who's going to be listening to your podcast, who's going to be touched. They're going to touch someone else, and it's going to have a chain reaction. We have to not concern ourselves with the results of what we're doing. We just have to do what we know to do that is right, what we know to do that can be impactful, and then literally trust God for the result. We just take the actions and trust Him for the result
1: yeah and resentments too like you you wrote about resentment, just doing my own step work with recovery I knew I needed to like it's the fourth step. You know, you got to, like, drop the rock. you got to, like, let it go. My yeah, resentment yeah, against is. the warden, yeah, my huh. resentments against, you know, these people, they don't see what I'm doing. These, you know you have to just let it go. And you, you talk about resentment yeah. a lot, how you forgave the people that testified against you. These guys are like gangsters, and they all gave them discounted sentences, and they sent you away from natural life. I mean, that's a pretty warranted resentment for a nonviolent, drug offender.
0: First time offender, uh, never been in trouble before, but I time. had to let it go. It wasn't easy. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I started, literally, I had to start praying for all of them and calling them by name. You don't mm. sometimes feel forgiveness, but it's not a feeling. It's a decision to release them. And when I release them, I release myself from that bitterness and from that resentment because that bitterness and resentment is causing mm-hmm. to you. You're pausing yourself. You're paralyzed to moving forward because it's always in your head. But if you start just practicing, you know how they say, fake it till you make it? I had to just keep on saying, I forgive them. I don't care if I don't feel it. I forgive them. I'm going to let it go. And I can't tell you the exact moment when it happened. I had let it go. That was yeah. freeing for me. That's when I was free. That was freeing for me.
1: No, it was. I mean, I was faking it this morning when I was on my knees, you know. I go through the motions, you know, and sometimes I, I feel it, sometimes I don't. But I do go through the motions because somebody smarter than me told me to do that.
0: Oh, yeah. You got to. You got to. And, and it's not being <laughs> fake either. It's not being fake. You're being real with yourself. I could be really transparent with my own self and say, look, I, this, this don't even feel like it. I'm still mad. I'm still angry. But I keep on doing it until that anger just dissipated one day. That resentment just dissipated one day. Do I still think about it sometimes? Even now, it comes up, and I'll I'll have to catch myself. Don't go to that place. Don't go Mm -hmm. to that place where I'm meditating on it. It's that saying, like, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a mess. I can't stop the resentment from coming sometimes, but I can stop myself from holding on to it. Is Todd
1: still in prison? The man, I mean, I mean, racetrack Todd. I mean, this is where it all began. Just to drop back a little oh, bit to yeah, the
0: there, and, and, and I want to tell you, John, I'm fighting. I'm advocating for his freedom because he still don't deserve a life sentence. I'm not angry with him.
1: about story the crescendo of your book and your life you know is getting clemency really it's when i was reading the book it was just like the volume was raising and it was just like you know obama you didn't get it with obama and i was pissed like reading the pages i was like what's up with that and they kept giving like drips and drabs of releases with the obama administration but you still had faith so when i'm reading the book your story it just has great momentum and constant tension right up into the moment it happens. I mean, I was literally crying, and I saw a read in those last pages. But let's back up to 2017. You take that risk to do that mic interview. Can you set that scene? Your friends are distracting that, like, hard-nosed guard that's a bit nosy, and you're making this video. You're in the feds, for the listeners, they have these videos that Miss Alice could talk into. And Can you set that scene for a moment? Because that's what set everything in motion.
0: Yes, I've been already doing, speaking at di- on different platforms, as you read in the book, at Yale, all these universities, Google, YouTube, and then this, everyone is gone. The ones who I had favor with, the Warren, the case managers, the ca- they're all gone now. And I've got to make a decision. I've got to make that decision. And I've got to be willing to fight for myself now. And I've got to take this chance and this... uh the one who's, been, who's actually the unit manager, he was military, straight-up military. And I didn't even know he was going to be the officer that day, and it was like my stomach dropped. But I made the decision, and honestly, if, if I'm not willing to fight for myself, how can I expect anyone else to do it? And all of these women, these were women who had been praying and fighting for my freedom, too, even though they're incarcerated. They wanted me to be free. They had cried with me doing all of the denials. I mean, they had cried not with me. They had cried for me. And so here it comes this morning. I've made the decision to break this rule. I mean, I've got, my, I've got my papers where I've been given permission. I reread them. And for me, this looks like a blanket approval. I'm going to take this risk because what have I got to lose? What are you going to do? Put me in prison, in prison. I've always been a person who followed all the rules. And so I felt that I was on steady ground with the paperwork I had. And that morning, the hardest one shows up to be our prison guard for the day. And so my friends, as afraid as they were, they kept Patrick play to keep him busy. I've got 25 minutes to be on this call, and if he sees these lights and cameras and me being interviewed, everything is going to be shut down. So one woman, I had people in the corner praying in the room I, people were keeping him busy, and six seconds before my interview was over, he walked up to the window where I'm doing, and I just pressed the button, and it, the screen went blank. So it was a very tense moment. Um, it was a very tense moment that day, but at the end, it was the very thing that was set me free because it caught the attention of Kim Kardashian, who started fighting for me and hired lawyers. Not before and got that out with the president.
1: But not before you went to solitary for for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: let me back up. This this is the strange part of it, is that it's like the, the video was viral. It was trending, all these millions of views, but somehow the Lord just put a covering over it. It's like he put blinders over the staff there that it was even out there and everybody in the country almost is talking about the most watched video of the week. And it took seven days for it all to come to a head. But in those seven days, it, it was over. I went to solitary confinement and they found out seven days later after it was already out there viral. I know this was the Lord seven days later. And they locked me up in the hole and, um, I come out of the hole, everything is already in motion. I was at peace in the hole, in the shoe, because you can't pull back what's already out there. And eventually, I fought the um, incident report that they gave me, and I won.
1: I can identify so much with the gray area of, like, talking to a reporter. And you were in the right. I constantly live in that gray area. I'm in it right now, talking to you right now on this spot. I'm doing it over the phone. I'm calling a producer, and I'm getting the message out there the best way that I can. So I identify with that tension. But in the end, you know, in terms of change, you know, I think one of the most important things to sort of create change in the criminal justice system and prison reform is, like, the story, is how we tell story about our stories, right? And I just wanted to quote something from an intro from your book, Kim Kardashian's uh, intro. And she says this, For years I've had a fascination with true crime. I've seen every crime documentary out there, Making a Murderer, The Staircase, The Jinx. You name it, I've seen it. But nothing had impacted me as much as that four-minute-long video about Miss Alice. That says... Everything right there, right? Because I actually think those dark true crime stories do more damage than we even realize and preempt the work that you and many of my colleagues are doing with criminal justice reform. But, like, what do you think of that in terms of how we tell stories and how important the full stories that we tell are, like, in terms of stories? You know, what, what, what do you think about, like, what, what she said? I think I
0: think sometimes I, what say said, what is so true for many people, and that really has given people views of the incarcerated. They put, they've got this image, and this we've been put into this mold of being a certain type of person from those from those stories that are being told. Very seldom are they strictly told by the person. I was able to connect with Kim through the telling of my own story. And not through someone else's eyes. It was through my voice. You can put a story out there in the news on paper, but it is nothing impactful like hearing it from the mouth, hearing the voice of the person who that story, who has lived that story.
1: Absolutely. And and in telling these stories, I mean, you yeah. have an amazing story. Is there a movie that is in the making?
0: Yes. An as idea? a matter of fact, the uh, same person, Scott Budnick, who did just yeah. the producer of Just Mercy that came out to rave reviews, they definitely rights to my book. So there will be a movie that is going to come forth from this. But I would strongly yeah. suggest you read the book because a movie very seldom is able to capture everything that's in a book.
1: When you think of your story, though, and I could see why Hollywood snatched it up—you know, a sympathetic character confronts a complicated situation and overcomes that situation—and you're right, that's the perfect bow that Hollywood wants. But a lot of times, some of our stories are a little darker and they're more complicated. You know, I just appreciate the way you know you told your story and how it moved me. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and I suggest you know listeners check out Afterlife. It's a great read.
0: Well, thank you, John. Thank you for having me on, and I pray that the listeners out there not only I'm um, not just promoting a book. I'm on here because they need this is more than a book, or more than a story about just a prison experience. I think it's a story for every person because I think everyone who reads it, John, and as you read it too. It's not just about prison. It's a memoir about life, a real human being. And I'm I'm hoping that they will view people who are incarcerated differently after reading my book and will look at their own life and will gain hope. Because right now, especially with what is going on in the world with the coronavirus even, we've got to grab a hold to hope. We've got to grab a hold to our faith and not be paralyzed by fear.
1: This is a collect call from Sing Sing. It's produced by Jeff Duray, Kirsten Woodward, and Steve Delamater, with help from Elena Garcia, Jack Greenbaum, and Devin Sherman. Special thanks to Norm Pattis, Peter Morris, Elizabeth Faquet, and Rachel Yanover. Follow John on Twitter at johnjlennon1, and check out his work at johnjlennon.org. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
0: The caller has hung up.